James chapter 1 and can be found on page 1147 in the Church Bibles, beginning to read at verse 17. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because our anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Those who listen to the word but do not do what it says are like people who look at their faces in a mirror and after looking at themselves, go away and immediately forget what they look like. But those who look intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continue in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do sit down. I don't know if you realise what fine voice you're in this morning, but I took a step back this morning listening to the singing listening to a united sound that was coming right across the church. And you sounded like the most wonderfully well-trained choir. It was, it was really beautiful. So thank you, and um, thank you, God, for being able to stand back and just listen to other people's voices. And I think there's something in our reading this morning which is about standing back and listening to others. And we heard that in our first part of James reading this morning. So James 1, verse 17, is what we're looking at this morning. And verse 22, uh, be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word also, is actually where we are going to be centering on. That's what the teaching of today is about. Now, of James's epistle, Martin Luther's well-known criticism of this letter was that it is well known as a right story epistle, for it has no evangelical manner about it. And that is the one book really in the New Testament or the letter that actually seems to contrast with all the others which are about uh, salvific grace, about coming to know Christ, about uh, conversion. But actually, he's not uh, off track here. And if we look at our gospel reading this morning, we're hearing, uh, this is a sort of a counteraction against ritual worship, which was a tradition that James obviously grew up with. He saw the ritual worship. He heard Jesus, his brother, talking about this. And we've heard that in today's reading, about it's not about, um, it's not about 
just doing ritual stuff. It's actually about observing those first two commandments. So you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, with all that you are. And then the next one is you should love your neighbor as yourself. And everything flows out of the first commandments. And this is where James is at. He's actually saying, love your neighbor because it will flow out of your worship. It is not about ritual worship. So when we come to read James's letter, I think our modern day appreciation of it is well known, which is doing good to others, counting others as equal, whatever their financial standing, caring for the poor, the orphans, and the widows. And they're central to our growth as Christians. And I think long, uh, you know, many years back, the church began to grasp that it has to be out there. It has to be showing um, what we are like. And that that flowing action will go out and touch the world. So this document is not a theological source book. It's a spiritual corrective and I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, being so heavenly-minded that we are of no earthly good. So there's also the idea, perhaps, of a person sitting in a field before God doing nothing, but saying, Lord, I can do nothing without you. Well, that's no help, is it, to the world? And the verse at the center of our reading today is verse 22. Be not just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word also. James does, of course, understand the message of conversion and salvation, as we see in verse 1 and verse 18 and verse 21. I like to think, and I thought about this morning when I was just reflecting again, that James, of course, is the brother of Jesus. So, of course, he came out the same egg cell as Mary, didn't he? So there will be a familial likeness, won't there? There'll be something within his genes... Um, even though Jesus was the Son of God and, and overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, he became the incarnate Son of God. But there's still earthly human um, elements and this link with family. And I think that a lot of what James is doing as a good Jewish Christian is coming out of his brother's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount so that there's that link to being and doing being before God and doing what's flowing out of us for God, but in God. So with James, um, what James is doing is giving an ethical lecture on the popular level of the day, even a secular sermon, uh, with marked characteristics. So there's a sort of terse dialogue going on, a question and answer, argument and imaginary objector. Have a good read of this, the whole letter. It's not that long. But if you can see all those things, those elements going on in it, it really comes to life. But this letter is so much more than a mere diatribe. It's written in the Greek context, but it has these Semitic features and a Jewish background. And at its heart is the gospel. There are parallels in this shown to us in Acts chapter 15. So again, have a look at Acts chapter 15 and see the context of James when he's there in Jerusalem and when he's setting up what the Gentiles should actually be asked to do. He understands salvation. Um, it also echoes much of that which is known as the Sermon on the Mount, and I said that earlier. This letter in its original context was sent to Christians, but not excluding Jewish Christians. 
Now, the early part of chapter one shows us what issues James is addressing here. He talks about gaining wisdom, verses five to eight, about assessing wealth, verses nine to 11, about recognizing temptation, verses 12 to 15. And much of this thinking is about addressing the trials that we face as Christians, particularly for the, the people in this context, persecution and hardship experienced in the early church, especially among the slave-servant populations. However, he's also addressing the issues of facing moral trials, which may be caused by poverty or wealth. So you can face that whether you're in poverty or in wealth. Affliction from outside is to be endured, but inner temptation must be resisted. There's a couple of places, again, in James's gospel, where he's, uh, his uh, letter, where he's talking about that. James talks about temptation, but doesn't cite any particular temptation. He does, however, talk much about living in a state of blessedness or happiness, being at peace. So as we move on to verse 17 of chapter 1, we experience a move to the inner life. Do not be deceived, because wrong thoughts lead to wrong conduct. Who doesn't have a problem with dealing with thoughts? Jesus talked about this very thing, talking about birds landing on the hairs of your head, but actually stopping them from building a nest. There's a lot for us to learn about in James's letter, and one of the key things is about temptation and where it comes from. And this letter clearly teaches that it does not come from God. It comes from the inner desires that we have, though we may often be in denial that they exist within us. God doesn't tempt us, but things we are tempted by are often the things that we are not self-aware about the desires within us. So for instance, if we inwardly and secretly desire riches or just enough and envy others that we have, um, if we envy someone else who's got more, is more comfortable, is able to go on boat trips or do all sorts of stuff, we've entered into the realm of giving in to temptation, making that transition from Actually, perhaps having a desire to have more, but then envying somebody else for having more. And the reason we have deceived ourselves, we don't follow through because we haven't had time to self-examine and see what that actually means for our spiritual life. Now, James goes to great lengths in his letter to help us understand the idea of wrong thoughts leading to wrong actions. And he also focuses on our amazing God, the Father of lights, who showers us with gifts from on high, unending showers of good gifts. And he directs our focus onto our creator God, who is declared to have no shadow of turning about him. God is unchangeable in nature. He is consistent in character. He is always holy, righteous, loving, and wise, and he will never tempt. James desires that Christians should be models of their God to the world, and should expect an increase in number as the rest of the spiritual harvest is brought in. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
That's John's Gospel, chapter 1. And Hebrews teaches us that we and the whole universe and all created things are held together by the very word of his power. Any scientists among you will really understand the dynamic power of what that actually means. Um, and there are books around, actually, and the whole Numa movement was talking about this uh, amazing scientific discovery. And if we look into all the, the different things that I can't name because I'm not clever enough and don't understand science, but reading the books has really blown me away as to what it means that the word of God is holding us together and everything is held together by the very word of his power. Wonderful. James teaches us that the word which regenerates also brings us under obligation. He's calling for individual obedience and a response to God who's given us eternal life and gifts. So we are called to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And each should be quick to hear the word of God, the message of the preacher or the teacher, the contribution of the other person in any discussion we may be having. The secret is in John chapter 15. We are to abide in Christ. Anger seems to figure highly in our reading today and we're to refrain from making angry responses, also from making hurried decisions. A time of reflecting on words of others is advised. Outbursts of passion, being slow to anger is the exhortation, and a period of reflection is suggested. Angry responses have consequences. So in verse 21, we have a therefore. Put away, which is like taking your clothing off because it is dirty clothing. So the call is to take off and put away, to disentangle ourselves from past non-Christian behavior the uncleanness and wickedness which has become a habit, so much so that we haven't stopped to really self-reflect or think about what those areas may be. The exhortation is also to put on gentleness, which implies strength restrained. Meekness or gentleness is in contrast with the anger of verse 19 and suggests the receptivity of faith that we are asking God by faith, we are moving in faith because you believe, you receive and you live it out and it becomes transformational. The people uh, that James is writing to are exhorted to be hearers of the word. They should receive it, they should be doers of the word. And this recalls the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, and of Paul in Romans chapter 2, verse 13. In short, consciousness is informed, belief and faith exercised, and the will moved. Everything we do is a decision of the will. That's how Father has made us. We choose with our will to be like him. We choose with our will to make that decision to receive him and follow him. It's all a decision of the will. We choose to live in the fact that we are going to live with self-control. Without action, mere hearers are deceiving themselves, for they don't realize what really being holy means. 
Have you ever looked in a mirror? Of course you have. Well, the word is compared to a mirror. And by looking into the mirror, which is the word, we see ourselves as we are. And the sight's not often very pleasing. I find, particularly as I'm getting older, it's not that pleasant when I first get up in the morning and look in the mirror, especially if I haven't got my glasses on. The word, by looking into the word, shows us what we are and we know that. And if we before God are sitting quietly or listening to sermons or talks or looking into the Bible, we see reflected back what we should be. And oftentimes we see it, but never take time to actually act on it. It's always a journey and grace and the Holy Spirit's patience and commitment to teach us is always there. The mere hearer gives himself a little glance and then hurries off and away from the mirror at once forgets what was seen, though the face in reflection was quite dirty. So not receiving the word and acting on it is dangerous ground and it's no help at all. The one who looks into the mirror with an intense gaze rather than a momentary glimpse misses the point. Look into its Greek meaning, and it's parakypos, and it pictures a person bending over something because he wants to see it better, rather like Mary when she stooped to look into the tomb. We had, uh, I think we're going to have Servant King. Have we, done, we haven't done it yet, but that's, that's her, you know, that's what she's going to be doing in that particular song. Stooping down, bending over, looking. That's what we're being asked to do here. James sees a man looking into the perfect law and its standard for all Christian behavior. It's not a law, it's a law of liberty. Now this law of liberty sets us free. Joyce Mayer has said this, it can be difficult to grasp the idea of the law of liberty because law and liberty seem to be opposites. A law says one thing while liberty says another. I believe the law of liberty spoken of in James 1.25 refers to the freedom of self-control because God puts a new heart in you that wants to obey his law of love. With this new heart that Jesus gave you, you have the ability to be led of the Spirit who gives you the power and freedom to love others. Then she goes on to say, enjoy your day by allowing the Lord of love to love others through you. Now for James, it's vital that the inner life and the outward expression of that life rise up in worship as one. Part of that rising up will be living with integrity, controlling our speech, not deceiving ourselves. It will also work itself out in looking after the poor and the defenseless, and both are needed. Both worship and morality are essential expressions of the Christian faith. I encourage you today to keep your mind tuned into God's word more than anything else. Let his word become deeply planted in your heart and listen to what he tells you. Obey him, then you will be a doer of the word and not just a hearer of it, and you will walk in the power of God. You will be transformational.